and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about hot lemonade so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Christmas Caramel Murder by Joanne Fluke. Joining us to discuss this Hannah Swenson recipe mystery is Kelsey, food and mystery enthusiast. Hey. Hey, Kelsey. You can't wave on a podcast, Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) I already said hi. It's too weird. Just say hi again. Hi, everybody. Welcome to doing a podcast where it feels awkward because you're talking to a microphone of people that you're not actually looking at. (laughs) I mean, we all are staring straight ahead at a wall instead of just like looking at each other and sitting around. We don't have a real studio, Kelsey. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm just saying I'm staring don't at the wall. Don't tell the people at home that. <laughs> I don't even know if we should start over or just keep Let's this. Just go Let's go Let's roll with it. It's the holidays. <gasps> I trust Becca better. to make us not sound like idiots. Uh, no, Becca's straight. I'm going to keep this in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the holidays. Let's, you know, we're pretending this is like our office holiday party where everyone's just a little drunk. I'm a little weird. I, I mean, we have had a lot of hot lemonade. Well, we've had some hot lemonade. Yeah. It's hard to drink, but it's, it's not very good. <laughs> but it does have rum in it, and I have been drinking it. It, it does taste a little like melted cough drop. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. More than a little like. Okay. So, oof, this was maybe the, our quickest 0 to 68 time off the rails yet. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm so proud. Um, cool. So, we've been talking about doing, like, cozy mysteries for a while, and uh, Kelsey's read a lot of these recipe mysteries, so she suggested one, and we were like, cool, let's go for it. And it was Christmas, so we decided to do a Christmas one. And as we said, we've said previously, if anyone ever writes a shitty book about another non-Christian holiday, please yeah. tell us about it. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a cheesy Hanukkah book. We'll do cheesy Kwanzaa book. They just don't seem to exist. And we don't want to read, like, a good Hanukkah book and make fun of it. Because that's not really... Uh, our brand? It's not, yeah, it's not our brand. I was going to say it's not cool, bro. Well, I mean, it's not cool, but, like... I was going to say it's not kosher. Oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jesus is really not kosher. Uh, <laughs> I mean, technically. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've i never read any... I know we've talked on the podcast before. I don't generally care for mysteries. Like, that's not a big appeal factor for me. If something is a mystery, I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Well, fortunately, this is barely <laughs> a mystery. It's barely a mystery. Yeah, I was going to say, I liked it more than I thought it would because it's barely a mystery. But how I do encounter these pretty often is... I'll see a title either just, like, at work or I'll read a review of it and I'll just send a title to Kate and be like, we should read this one for the podcast because the title's a good pun. And so somewhere there's a list of just, like, good pun names. Uh, Like, Dead and Breakfast is a recent one that I was intrigued by. And it's, of course, a murder at a bed and breakfast. But I thought Dead and Breakfast was funny. (laughs) Um, And this series, I know it's popular. There's, like, 20 of them at least. But they don't have good pun names. They're all just like the insert food murder. And so I feel like that is definitely an area of improvement for Joanne Fluke. Yes. It's like up your pun game, Joanne. And I I like mysteries. I read a lot of mysteries as a kid. Um, I don't read as many now just because there's not 
as many that tick all the boxes that I want my books to tick now, which mostly involve gay people. There are some cozy mystery series about queer people. They're mostly about queer men. Um, there's mm-hmm. one about lesbians that I have not read yet. I put a request in for it at the library and it has not. They have not bought it yet. But I have stopped reading them because of this. And the ones that I've read were mostly longer than this. Um, I read a lot of the cat ones, the mm. cat who books. Uh-huh. And I read... Tell me, are those literally about a cat? No, they're about a man who has some cats who help him solve crimes. They don't talk or anything. They're just regular Fuck. cats. <laughs> Sorry. Um, because <laughs> but there are some where the cats talk though, right? That's I a thing. Don't not know that enough. series. This series, somebody when I was sick in bed once, the Cat Who series, someone bought one for me because like it was at the checkout at the grocery store, and they knew I liked mysteries. And so I read it, and since it was one of a series and I liked it, I just took, like, every other one out of the library. And, um, I, since I'm not particularly a cat person, I did not seek out these other ones with cats, but... It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay, so this, Hannah Swenson owns a bakery. She's fictional. Hannah Swenson is the star of this book, if that wasn't clear. Because uh, this has not been a, a straight A to Z path to get it here. So if you're having trouble following, just have some hot lemonade and just... <laughs> Again, <laughs> or don't. <It's> fine. <laughs> or just have some rum. I don't care. Uh, Hannah Swenson is the detective who solves these crimes. She's not a detective. She's an amateur detective. Yes. Who is a professional baker. Again, ish. Ish. Well, she owns a bakery. I that mean, makes you a baker. Yes, her recipes are just weird. Her recipes are weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- this, and by the way, I I mentioned, you know, people kind of ask me, oh, what are you like reading for the podcast right now? And I would say the like, Christmas Carol of Murder. And they'd be like, it's, you know, it's one of those recipe mysteries. And like half the people I talk to would be like, oh yeah, one of those recipe mysteries. And the other would be like, what are you talking about? Like recipe mysteries? That's not a thing. And that is a thing. Yeah. It is very much a thing. There are, there are many flavors of cozy mystery that are a thing you can definitely get quilting mysteries that come with a quilt pattern in them you can get knitting mysteries that come with knitting in them you can get all sorts of flavors of cooking these books lean heavily towards dessert yeah but there are plenty of like caterer mysteries or like cheese shop mysteries yes wine shop mysteries coffee shop mysteries chocolate shop mysteries Tea shop mysteries, donut store mysteries. They get very specific. If somebody yeah. wants to start a lesbian bookshop cozy mystery series, please let me know. I will kickstart you. I feel like everyone I know on Twitter would read that book, I know. and that's probably enough just to like get it. I gotta write lesbian Dracula though, so I'm not saying you should. I'm I'm telling the the listeners, the potential authors, your market is out there. For sure. T- tap it. Anyway, if you're not familiar with the recipe mystery concept, it's basically a mystery, but every few chapters, they're like, oh, and she made cookies. Here's the recipe. We'll just paste it in here. Anyway, chapter five. And it's a little, it's a little jarring. Yes. Although I do prefer those to the ones where, like, there's just a whole mystery, and then at the back you get, like, five recipes that sort of happen in the book. Like, at least... Here, like, the recipe plays a part in the story as opposed to, 
And then they all ate a Caesar salad. And at the very end of the book, you get a recipe for Caesar salad. Yeah. And sometimes the recipes really are that dumb. Well, this one had a recipe for a hot grill or a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. Yes. Which is a grilled cheese sandwich. With which, ham in it. <laughs> yes. Precisely. <laughs> like, it's not as complicated as you want to make it. I mean, the secret is she puts Thousand Island dressing in it, but also gross. Yeah. And, like, they pitch it as double cheese, which means she puts a slice of Swiss cheese and a slice of American cheese and a slice of ham, and it's it's upsetting. Not as upsetting as hot lemonade, but pretty upsetting. Yeah. I feel like we've dropped hot lemonade a hundred times already, and I, I, let's get into that. Uh, so Hannah Swenson, Solves Mysteries, is a baker, whatever. In chapter three of this book, she and her, like, best friend and bakery co-owner go to a bar, and Hannah doesn't, isn't drinking that night, so she orders soda water. Lisa, without any explanation, any comment, orders a hot lemonade, receives the hot lemonade, moves on. No, nothing. (laughs) Except for for me, the like the world stops, (laughs) the book stops. I was like, she what? She's gone to the bar and ordered hot lemonade, and no one is like, what? Like, the bartender's like, do you just mean, like, lemonade by a microwave? Like, what what are you talking about? (laughs) No, she just, like, gets the lemonade. And then, so, in our, like, group chat about this book, I was like, I'm not very far in this yet, but I'm, like, fucking hung up on hot lemonade. And Kelsey is like, hey, I assumed it was a Minnesota thing. I didn't actually notice at first. I had to go back and reread and be like, where even did hot lemonade happen? What the fuck? (laughs) It's it's the most important thing that happened in this book. (laughs) So you, well, this will come out a while ago. So you might be like, oh, that's why Renata was like yelling about hot lemonade on Twitter like all week, a couple weeks ago or whatever. Um, So Kelsey, and I, 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 that's fair because they do have some like, weird things going on in Minnesota, like hot dish, but I, and I'm not from Minnesota, but I'm Minnesota adjacent, and I have a lot of friends from Minnesota, and I just feel like I would have heard about hot lemonade by now if it were a thing, and then so just to check, I checked indirectly with all of my Minnesota friends, and in retrospect, this is weird, but I didn't, <laughs> I, I just, all of them, I didn't do any preamble. I was just texting them, hey, have you ever heard of hot lemonade? <laughs> and my favorite answer was, uh, is that another, is that like slang for pee? <laughs> and I was like, no, I guess it's a drink. Anyway, I did Google it and it does come up with recipes that are basically just a hot toddy, but with rum instead of whiskey. So even though Joanne Fluke does not include a, hot, a recipe for hot lemonade in with these recipes, she's just like, hot lemonade. We all know what that is. <laughs> and as you'll see, like, she over-explains everything else in this book. Like, uh, the concept of Keurig coffee, the concept of pickles. Like, everything is just so, like, and it's this, and it's this. And, like, the concept of, like, a wedding dance. We get so much detail. And then she's like, and as we all know, hot lemonade. <laughs> I gotta stop now because I can talk about hot lemonade for a fucking hour. <laughs> but we, uh, oh, I don't know if we want to say this now. We we did this before when we did our Outlander cookbook. We tested out some of the recipes from this. And we also did the allrecipes.com recipe for hot lemonade because I wouldn't shut up about it. And it's not good. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> 
I mean, it is terrible, <laughs> but when I hear hot lemonade, I my mental image was like powdered country time lemonade, only hot and with alcohol, because that's my association with like group lemonade situations. And this is, I think, better than hot country time. But barely. No, I don't That's think another so. thing. I, I was, disagree. I was tweeting about it, and a couple people sent me the link for a, a viral video, I guess, that I hadn't seen before, but it's about hot Kool-Aid. And I'll, we'll link to the hot Kool-Aid video, I guess. I guess that's a thing. I think this is maybe better than hot Kool-Aid, but it's borderline. And we, the recipe as is, this probably, this has maybe three times as much honey as it called for. Yes. Because we just kept sipping and being like, this is gross. Maybe some more honey will help. And now, like, now we are bees. We are drunk bees. And we have to talk about this book. And I, I'm i going to turn it over now because I will continue to talk about hot lemonade if left unattended. All right. So, uh, Right off the bat, I was thrown by this book because it opens up with Hannah, the main character, at another restaurant with someone named Ross eating dinner. And someone asks about the chocolate caramels that they made last year. And Ross is like, oh, like, what? Why don't you want to make the chocolate caramels again? And she's like, oh, because they were we found them at the scene of a murder. The whole book is then a flashback to the Christmas before and how this caramel murder went down. And I don't... I Do you have insight into this, Kelsey? I can explain this. I mean, I can't explain this authorial choice, but I can explain the storyline-ish. So, for a lot of these books, Hannah has two love interests who are in this story. Norman, the dentist, and Mike, the policeman. Norman is good and kind and thoughtful and sensitive and Mike is hot. And Hannah likes them both equally. At one point, they both propose to her, one with a sapphire engagement ring and one with an emerald engagement ring. She spends the whole book debating, gives them both their rings back, and then they proceed to happily co-date, like Mike and Norman are friends. Not polyamory, which would make this book more interesting, but, you know, they they happily co-date for a while. And then I guess Joanne Fluke realized she'd written herself into a corner and that, like, she couldn't give Hannah, like, she couldn't pick one for Hannah. So she wrote in this new love interest, Ross, who eventually Hannah marries. So I think that this book came out, like, like, she must have written the the bulk of the story pre-Ross and then been like, oh, crap, I have to explain how this dude is involved. So I think that's what the book ending thing is trying to do. Would you say they were on a break? Yes. That's I my would. friend's joke. <laughs> and as your friend, I will allow it. Yeah, so it starts with this flashback, and then we get to the actual mystery, which takes place like a year before yeah. the first chapter. Yeah. And uh, and I guess we should, if it's not clear, this I think is maybe the 19th book. So we did jump into the middle of the series, so it is expected that we would be a little bit confused. But uh, it is a confusing choice. It's also, I guess, because it's far enough into the series, it, a lot of these books do that, you know, Babysitter's Club chapter two thing of, this is Hannah, she has curly red hair, she's a little chubby, she owns a bakery, she's addicted to coffee, she gets up at four every morning to go to the bakery, 
you know, explain anything. Okay, and but this does not do that. It absolutely does I not. Because I genuinely assumed Hannah was, like, 60 years old based on the way that she acts and talks and doesn't know how to use a phone and hangs out with people who drink hot lemonade. But <laughs> she's not. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure she's late 20s, early 30s, about our age. I believe, again, I, I, have, I do own and have read most of these books. I don't usually reread them, and it's been a while. I believe she either graduated from college or dropped out like her senior year in a scandal and moved home. Was it a murder scandal? I think it had something to do with a sketchy professor and either sexual harassment or she was having an affair with him, which is timely. But you guys keep talking about the plot. I'm going to Google that. <laughs> but I, um, I, could, I could be off on some of that. But yes, Hannah is, I think, supposed to be in her early 30s. Lisa is supposed to be in her early 20s, I believe. Lisa, whose greatest dream is to play Mrs. Claus in the town Christmas Carol pageant. Yeah, so we... Is in her 20s. We're getting, getting a little ahead of ourselves. I so can't the, help it. The, the book starts, and they're out there. Lisa and, um, freaking, what's her name? Hannah are at their bakery, and Hannah's mom shows up, and... She's, like, in a tizzy because there's an emergency. And the emergency is that the company that normally sells them candy to sell at intermission at the Christmas Carol play every year can't deliver on their order. So they have no candy to sell. And the Christmas Carol play is, like, really scandalous this year because Lisa's husband... Herb is playing Santa, and everyone thought that Lisa was going to be picked to play Mrs. Claus. As you do. But instead, the mayor chose a... So I know, how weird is it that the mayor chooses Mrs. Claus? I <laughs> figured it was like a small town thing or something. I have no fucking idea. Wouldn't it be the director of the muse of the play? Who knows? Also, I feel like that director has not been in previous books. So I was pretty sure she was the killer for a while. Interesting. Um, so not only, so the, the mayor, instead of choosing Lisa, or I guess people vote. It's not, the mayor doesn't normally choose. People vote on it. Yes, that's right. And this year the mayor has decided to choose. And he chose this woman, Phyllis, who he was having an affair with. Uh, and who's like super hot and was in school at the same time as Hannah and Herb and a bunch of other people in town and then like left town for a while and then came back and was working for the mayor's office but the mayor's wife got wind of it because he was gonna put her up in a fancy apartment with like a fancy allowance and she like reamed the mayor out and the mayor transferred Phyllis to Herb's office working as his assistant and the woman Phyllis and Herb used to date in high school and Lisa's very concerned that she might be, like, tempting Herb into having an affair. And she's, like, driven by his office because he's not been coming home on time for, like, a couple weeks. So she'll drive by his office and his car's not there, so she doesn't know where he is. And, like, this is just insult to injury that she doesn't get to be Mrs. Claus like everyone thought she would. Well, and because Santa and Mrs. Claus hug they're supposed to hug in the pageant. She's like, ooh, that slut's going to hug my husband. Yeah. So Lisa tells Hannah's mom, like, oh, you know what? Like, we'll make candy and cookies to sell at intermission. Like, don't worry about it. And, oh, I guess that means that we'll have to be there every day at the play where my husband and this cheating whore are. 
what a coincidence. And Hannah's pissed at first because Christmas is their busiest time of year and like they don't have time to do this. But at the same time, they have a lot of time to wander around town solving mysteries. So maybe if they come and back And making things as a bribe. Like they spend a lot of time being like, oh, we're going to need to go investigate this person. Let's make the muffins first. Yeah, I don't believe that their bakery has sold a single item. I think she gives it all away in exchange for evidence. Yeah. I mean, By she- the way, I would like to interject. I am on hannah-swenson-mysteries.wikia.com and I have learned this. Hannah is an adult woman. (laughs) Sure. She is described as having hard to manage frizzy red hair that she often pulls back for work. However, when she puts appearance, when she puts effort into her appearance, she is said to look really pretty. Okay. It doesn't say how old she is. There's also, I mean, since we're talking about Hannah's appearance, there's also kind of a lot of fat shaming in the earlier books. She spends a lot of time needing to lose quote unquote 20 pounds and like every once in a while she goes on a diet and makes this huge deal of like everyone else was eating delicious steaks but she had to be good and eat a salad and it's it's very moralistic and very obnoxious uh, yeah that wasn't in this one which is i mean it wasn't as fat positive as the amorous adventures of aaron burr for example <laughs> but it was fine yeah the wiki does also say it is said that she inherited her father's looks and is a bit overweight does it say anything about her having an affair with her college professor? Oh, hang on. This is... A, okay, that was under appearance, and now I'm under trivia. Trivia. Hannah lost her virginity to Bradford Ramsey, an assistant professor in her poetry seminar back when she was in college. Yes. After finding out that he had a fiancé, she dumped him. Next bullet point. Hannah has a vanity license plate that reads cookies. <laughs> That is quite the segue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the story. Um, So they, Hannah's like pissed that she, but she also understands that Lisa's just got to check on Herb. Because even though everyone in town knows that he's like super in love with her and he would never cheat on her, you know, men are just evil and vile and they need to watch his every move. And Phyllis is just like an irresistible slut. Yes. These books are also pretty slut shamey. Like, I don't know if it's a feature of cozy mysteries in general that, like, I mean, spoiler alert, Phyllis is murdered. But, like, so I don't know if it's a feature of cozy mysteries that the victim needs to quote unquote deserve it in some way. Like, they have to either be, you know, an evil developer who's going to tear down a children's playground to build a mall or a slut seducing the married husband of a beloved townsperson or what, but... This is pretty slut shamey, and this is not the first book in which similar scenarios have played out. Your cat is snoring, <laughs> just in case you're curious. Aw, Dwarts. Um, yeah. So anyway, they go. The, they decide to go to one of the rehearsals for the music or the play. Um, to check out, they need to get pick up the gift bags that the candy goes in, so they can figure out how much they need to make to fill each bag. And so they watch the end of the rehearsal, and first off, uh, Phyllis comes out not in the standard Mrs. Claus outfit, but in, like, a stripper Mrs. Claus outfit that she bought herself. She had to go to the cities for it. Yes. And it's got, like, knee-high patent leather red stiletto boots and a, like, skirt that's so short that, like, she bends over and... There's just, like, a lot of to-do made about how she can never do that again. 
And uh, the director is like, what the fuck are you wearing? And she's like, oh, the other Mrs. Claus outfit didn't fit me, so I bought this. And the director's like, well, tough shit. Like, we'll have the seamstress alter the outfit to fit you. And there's, like, this weird thing where they're talking about how, like, but Phyllis didn't seem cowed by the director who everyone else was, like, terrified of. But, like, nothing in the text really... It didn't really make any sense. Yeah, Kelsey, I'm surprised you said she wasn't in previous books because they talk about how she's, like, the famous director and it made it seem like the director had done some other things. I mean, she may have been in a couple of, like, fairly recent books. Sometimes they introduce someone a couple books before their big book. Um, But she's not been a recurring character the entire time, for sure. Um, So... After that, they decide to go, you know, rehearse through the end of the play with Santa and Mrs. Claus. And as Renata said before, usually Santa and Mrs. Claus hug, but this new director wants them to stage kiss. So she walks Phyllis through how to do a stage kiss. And then when the time comes, surprise, instead of stage kissing Herb, she like grabs him and like lays one on him. Like a very passionate kiss. And it is apparently very clear that Herb is like, what the fuck? Like, get off of me. But Lisa flips out and she, like, runs out of the auditorium. And um, Hannah has to catch up with her and, like, calm her down. And they decide that what they really want to do... Or they they go back to the bakery and start practicing, like, what they're going to make to fill these bags, to get their minds off of, like, how terrible it was to watch this slutty woman have her hands on Lisa's husband. And afterwards, we're like, oh my god, we're so hungry, we should go eat cheeseburgers. Very specific cheeseburgers that they describe in detail. Several times. Yes. The best cheeseburgers. Yes. But first, Lisa has to go home and feed her dogs. So she does that, and that's the point where... Hannah is waiting at the bar for her. Yes. And she makes time talking to this woman, Bonnie, who is associated with the play somehow. I think Bonnie's the seamstress who is going to fix the Santa costume. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they kind of chat at the bar for a couple minutes. And then Lisa shows up and Hannah... And was- orders the goddamn hot lemonade. <laughs> And uh, their table's ready, so they go and eat. And on their way out, Hannah sees a red piece of fabric in the ditch next to the parking lot. And it's like, oh, assumes that, like, some kid lost a mitten or something. So she decides to go down and get it because she's wearing, like, knee-high boots and the snow's really deep. And Lisa is wearing ankle-length boots. There's a lot of talk about the ankle boots. Yes. I believe they were suede. It seemed very impractical for Minnesota in the middle of the winter, but... Yeah, so... Well, uh, Lisa's got to try to keep up with that slutty Phyllis. That's true. She's only 22. She doesn't know any better. She doesn't know how boots work. So Hannah goes down into the ditch and finds out that it's a Santa hat. And then next to the Santa hat, she finds... Herb's personalized lunchbox. Here's another detail I was fucking obsessed with. It's one of the reusable lunchbox that Lisa had gotten embroidered with Herb's name on it. He's an adult man. Why does he need multiple <laughs> reusable lunchbags with his name on it? Like, at the end of the day, you bring it home and then you reuse it. You only need one Herb. <laughs> 
And God. why do you need any with your name on them as an adult human being? Yeah. Be of all. <laughs> so inside the lunch bag are some of the chocolate caramels that Lisa had previously uh, talked about having made. And they are the titular candy from this book. And next to the bag is a body. And it is the body of Phyllis. And she is dead. So then it's like, well, who killed Phyllis? And after that, I mean, it's just like a pretty standard mystery yeah. Of them trying to figure it out. And, like, the boots come into it because the snow is so deep that it wouldn't have made sense for Lisa to go down there in her ankle boots. But then, like, maybe she changed her shoes so they have to try and find an alibi for Lisa. Because Lisa's obviously a suspect because of how slutty Phyllis is. Yes. And um, er- Herb's also a suspect. He gets cleared pretty quickly, though. Yes. But because by Mike... The hot police officer, and when what the fuck is her name? Hannah is like, oh, like what was Herb doing? And he's like, I promised him that I wouldn't tell you or Lisa, but I can promise that he's not cheating on Lisa. And sidebar, Mike, and like, I know this is just like a cozy mystery thing, and I know it's just like like the same thing with murder. She wrote like Mike is absolutely one hundred percent just like oh well the woman who owns the bakery found a body again. I guess she's gonna help us solve this mystery. Yeah. <laughs> not- um, more than that, they call it her sladar. That like she always has a sense of like when murders are about to happen or whatever. They and, do. And she's just like, oh, well, it's my slate. I found a body in a ditch. I'm not a murderer. I'm a baker. I mean, in these books' defense, there are a couple of points where, like, Mike and Hannah are at odds and have to, like, negotiate how much Hannah's allowed to know and things. But then she just gets around it by, like, oh, now my mom's dating the coroner, so I just, like, oops, the uh, autopsy oh, yeah. just happened to fall into my lap. And it's like, this seems like it would be... Very hard to prosecute. That did happen. Yeah, and it's just like, I know that we've read other civilian mysteries where there's like an active, where the police are actively like, you have to stay out of this, like you're not a cop. And like in detective shows that I'll watch where people other than detectives are detectives, they'll be like, you know, you're not a cop, like this isn't your job. And so there is that sort of, like, friction there. But there was absolutely no friction in this book. Mike's just like, well, you're going to investigate, and I'm going to investigate, so afterwards we'll compare notes. Okay, bye. By the way, Hannah's also getting some clues from the ghost of her dad. Yes. That was bonkers. That is not typical of cozy mysteries in general, and specifically this series. I very much thought that Hannah, like, had a fever or a brain tumor or... Something, because, like, this is not a series that deals with fantasy. This is not a series where ghosts show up. And it it is, of course, you know, the Christmas Carol. Like, he comes three times, but it's always him. And it's not very Christmas Carol, except that she's visited by a ghost three times. Yeah, and the one, the first time, he's the ghost of Christmas past. And he shows her a vision of that night in the bar where she was talking to Bonnie. And in the vision... She's looking at the ground beneath Bonnie's chair to make sure she hasn't forgotten anything as she's gotten up and has noticed that she's wearing sneakers. Then later on, he she has a vision when he's the ghost of Christmas present where he shows her herself leaving 
uh, an interview with one of the people in town and writing a name down on her notebook and like knowing that this was her suspect. And it turns out that the suspect is Bonnie and that she was wearing sneakers and her sneakers were dry despite the fact that it was... The snow was deep in the parking lot. Yeah, and someone, I think it was the woman at the dance studio, tells her, like, oh, like, she was complaining that her boots were all wet because... Oh, because she was so cheap that she wouldn't replace the boots. She just, like, fixed them with duct tape. I mean, been there. Yeah, something. Somehow this, like, leads her to make the connection that, like... She must have been out in the deep snow. Yeah. Oh, and I, I think she left her boots at the bar. Yeah. At the, where the body was found in the parking lot of the bar. Fucking and whatever. She also finds out from her investigating that uh, Bonnie used to volunteer at the school. She was like the cheerleading coach, and Phyllis was the head cheerleader. And like Phyllis's mom wasn't. There was something where like Phyllis was like a no good slut. And Bonnie took her under her wing and taught her how to be a lady and how to have manners. And then Phyllis moved away and Bonnie was really upset that she's moved back now and she's like a slut and not a good lady like Bonnie had taught her. It's all pretty, pretty gross. Yes, it is very, very moralistic. And yeah, so she like goes to confront Bonnie and Bonnie's had like a psychotic break and is like dissociating and has a gun and is gonna murder Hannah, but then her husband comes home and manages to like He gets the gun away and then he shoots Bonnie. Yes. Or are they They're tussling, tussling with the gun, gun yeah. and the gun goes off. Like yeah. he doesn't just straight up shoot her. Okay. I because I read that and I was like, that seems extreme. But okay. Yeah. That makes I mean, sense. Hannah can't actually solve a murder without her life being put in peril by the murderer. It's yeah. just how this particular series goes. Yeah. Also, here's another reason why I thought Hannah was, like, in her 60s, is because she finds the boots and she thinks they're close, so she struggles to take a photo with her with her phone and then can't remember how to text it. And she's like, oh, my niece has showed me how to text a photo, but I don't remember. And then, so I, then she managed to send the photo, but can't figure out how to, like, send a caption on the photo. So she just texts the chief of police a photo of some boots, nothing else. And is like, I'll figure the deal with this later, put my phone away. And I thought that was going to come back, and he was going to be like, hey, <laughs> uh, what's up with these boots? But instead it just, like, quickly escalated to another, like, manslaughter. Yeah. Uh, so... They, that, I mean, that's like essentially the end of it. Her father's ghost comes back one more time as the ghost of Christmas future. And he shows her like the present that her mom's going to give her for Christmas. And, and it's, is, it's fucking weird. <laughs> so the very first scene in the book, they're decorating for Christmas at the, the bakery. And they're on this like rickety falling apart wooden ladder. And... Hannah's like, oh, like, I keep meaning to buy a new ladder, but I keep forgetting. And for some reason, we can't do it right now, even though there's a hardware store three doors down. We have to use this broken ladder. And then when her mom runs in with the emergency about the candy company canceling, uh, Hannah startles and, like, Lisa, the, the ladder starts to break apart and Lisa has to, like, jump down from the ladder to the ground. And it turns out that it was, like, her father's ladder 
from when he owned the hardware store and like she kept it for sentimental reasons and her mom is like oh well like give me the have them send the broken letter to my house for sentimental reasons and she's like fucking okay whatever that's weird (laughs) and it turns out that her father and his brother had carved their names on it as you do yes and so her mom just gives her, like, a framed ladder step. Yes. <laughs> that had been carved on. By the way, was her father murdered in a previous book? Nope. He's been dead all along. Cool. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, every once in a while, he or great grandma Swenson comes up, usually in conjunction with some recipe or, like, some weird family habit. But oh, no, he's that's been dead a good all segue along. into the recipes, actually, I think, because uh, in... Uh, we we all picked out a recipe to make and, and share with the class, and I made gingerbread pancakes, mostly because I had just gotten a Pusheen pancake pan, and I really wanted to use it. Um, but throughout her recipe is, they're written as if they're from the character of Hannah, and so she'll make notes like, oh, Michelle likes to give these to the kids, or whatever, and then also notes like, chocolate chips, parentheses, I like Nestle's, or like, just like shoutouts to brands. And then... For the gingerbread pancakes, it calls for molasses, and she put parentheses, I use grandma's. And I thought she meant the character Hannah's grandmother, like, made her own molasses, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I had to go buy molasses, which I never do, and there is a brand called Grandma's. And that's all. I was like, as soon as I saw it, it all clicked for me. I was like, this wasn't even a shout-out to, like, Grandma Swenson. It's just... A sellout to Grandma's brand of molasses. Damn it. Also, the pancakes were kind of weird, and they're not as good as either a regular pancake or gingerbread. Okay, and also the pancake recipe. We need to talk about the pancake resting situation. (laughs) Yes. I am going to, maybe we'll run a Twitter poll, but actually, let me, like, read the actual thing that she says, because she has this tone about it, like, as you know. uh, It's... Like, she says, you know, you she she makes the batter the night before and lets it rest in the fridge. And then she basically says, like, as we all know, that makes it better. And I was like, and we were all like, I've never done that in my life. Have you? No, 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 no one does that? Okay, here we go. Hannah's note. If you've made pancakes from scratch before, you know that they're tastier if you've seasoned them by covering the mixing bowl with plastic wrap and refrigerating the batter overnight. This is why I always mix my batter the night before. I'm like, no. And I, I also feel like whenever I make pancakes, it's always sort of just, like, an impulse, like, decision. Like, I don't think I've ever planned out, except for this time, when I was like, I better make pancakes for my podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, I feel like more often than not, when I make pancakes, it's for dinner, mm. which is maybe my adulting problem, but I don't rest them all day first. No. Um, so are we going to just segue right into recipes now? I guess. I mean, we solved the mystery. Yeah. Um, the only, like, literally the only other thing that happens in the book is that, like, she goes, well, I do do want to talk about this for a minute. Um, a lot of the book is her and her sisters visiting, and they, they do a lot of the mystery solving together, like, they'll go to places to interview suspects. And bribe them with muffins. Yes. But, like, the level of detail in the conversations in this book it feels like on a sentence level, the conversations feel like robots are having them. Yes. It is <laughs> so like 
there's a part that we'll be reading later where it's like, oh, at the table, like I picked, or Hannah picked up like a pickled cauliflower from the bowl, the table that's filled with pickled vegetables that the owners put out there. And, you know, it's like, oh, this pickled cauliflower is really good. Yeah, like it was a good idea of the owners to put this out here as something to munch on. You know, I particularly like the pickled beans. I do too. Like, Mm-hmm. It's just... It also... Or it feels like... If it's not robots, then it feels like it was written for children to, like, improve their vocabulary. And it's like, well, then we gotta use these words, like, give really clear context so that children will understand what pickle means or, like, whatever. It also reminded me a lot of, like, young writers describing, well, anything. <laughs> she got up and she brushed her blonde hair and put on her favorite pair of jeans and her pink t-shirt because she always felt more powerful and pink. Like, it's just, readers don't need that much detail. They have pretty good imaginations. Yeah, so we get so much about the pickles and so little about the mystery. Which, again, I personally do actually care more about pickles than, (laughs) like, clues. But I feel like for most mystery readers, maybe opposite. I don't know. And it's, a lot of it is, like, weird stuff that, as someone who had not read this series prior... I kept thinking was going to be important. Like there's a part where they go to interview a woman who works at a dance studio. And first they have a conversation about who she is, who she's dating, how she's connected to the case. Like, and then it's how they're talking about like, oh, like she, this wasn't a dance studio when she rented it. It was this other office. And then she converted it into the dance studio. And she did this much work on it. And, oh, like, that sounds impressive. Oh, it sounds like they're dancing to a waltz right now. You know, you said she had children's classes, but she must do adults, too. Oh, yes, she told me that she gets a lot of her uh, business from people doing weddings. Oh, like the first dance with the bride and the groom? Yes, and also now sometimes the rest of the wedding party goes into a dance. Oh, that's very interesting. Like, wh- what? <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> what? It also, some of it felt like it was things that, like, this author maybe had heard about from her grandchildren or something. And she was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that, like, now they're doing big group dances. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a Keurig coffee machine. Oh, my goodness. Was that supposed to be a flash mob? Because I did not catch that. I don't don't know that it was, but that's kind of what I thought. Or even just, like... It sounded, when it first started, I thought it was going to be, like, one of those, like, wedding party dance flash mobs. But then when it went into description, it was not, which makes me think that maybe, like you said, like, her grandkids said something about that, and she internalized the whole wedding party dances together, and then interpreted it in a completely different way. Man, I'm so much more into this if it's a flash mob. <laughs> but, you Well, know. Keep, keep reading. Maybe it will be. <laughs> Don't worry, I will keep reading, because <laughs> this, is, this is a tragic compulsion. I mean, these are very popular. They're all bestsellers. I own all of them as physical copies. Partly, I think, out of the cookbook aspect of, like, in theory, I will cook from these, and it makes more sense to have a hard copy than to try to follow a recipe from a Kindle. But realistically, as of today, including the recipes, like, I helped with of yours, I've now made seven recipes, and I think we made four today. So, you know. Yeah. They didn't seem like great recipes. They are... They're weird. 
a lot of the recipes, a lot of the cookies that Hannah seems to serve at the cookie jar are basically chocolate chip cookies where she took out chocolate chip cookies and put something else in. Like her special cranberry cookies are chocolate chip cookies with cranberries instead of chocolate chips. Like a fine cookie concept, but it seems like a weird way to stock a bakery. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of her recipes, like we did... So we did four recipes? Four okay. recipes. We did the titular chocolate Christmas caramels. Um, we did gingerbread pancakes. We did cookies called red velvet whippersnappers. Mm-hmm. We sure did. And we did red raspberry muffins. And hot lemonade, and which hot again lemonade. was not a recipe that she wrote. <laughs> no. Um, and a lot of the recipes kind of lean heavily on prepackaged food which is fine. Like, I make cookies from cake batter, um, from cake mixes. I will use Cool Whip. And so, well, because a lot of, some of the Cool Whips are dairy-free, so it's easier to use that than um, actual whipped cream in some recipes I do that require whipped cream. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take those shortcuts. I don't care that much. But I feel like if your character, who's supposed to be writing these recipes, is in charge of a bakery... Maybe she shouldn't be making her cookies from boxed cake mix. Right. That just seems like an expensive lot of effort to go to be like, Hi, Cisco. I need to buy 400 pounds of red velvet cake mix. Right. Like, okay. And then we we talked about this the while we were making them. A lot of the ratios turn out weird. Um, like, the muffins. It made 12 muffins. And then she was like, and if you have leftovers, just put them in a loaf pan and make a little loaf. And it's like, make it, what she call it, a tea cake? I think it's tea bread, which bothered me because... Yeah. But it's okay. like, you made this recipe. Why don't you just make it for 12 muffins worth of batter? Yeah. Or, Her timings were also fairly off. That could have been, some of that could have been our oven. Yeah. It could have been, but it was also an issue with the caramel, which was a stovetop item. So, I don't know. But, like, they worked better than they could have. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these recipes no one is expected to actually make. And, I mean, full full credit to her. Of the things we made, they all worked. Like, they yeah, all they, were, things, they tasted fine. They were all pretty good. Like, the only thing that, aside from the hot lemonade, which wasn't hers anyway, you know, we weren't super crazy. Well, Renata and I were not super crazy about the gingerbread pancakes. But they them. were. I mean, they were good... They were pancakes. They came out fine, but the for me the combination of the gingerbread and the pancake it was not a taste combination I was into. Yeah, it was a little. I don't know. It was very subjective. They but, were better when we put the leftover cool up on them. They were yes. definitely better with cool up. And I mean, I did let them rust overnight, which, as we all know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that was the issue. Maybe they rusted too long. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they were all fine. They were all things, you know, that I would eat again. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to make any of these recipes again. But if you showed up at a potluck and were like, here, I made these red velvet whippersnappers, I'd be like, all right. I mean, you'd have to say the word whippersnapper out yeah. loud. Also, it just now occurred to me that this is the second red velvet cookie recipe I've seen of hers, and that seems... Like a creative pull once, but kind of a weird pull to have multiple red velvet cookie recipes. I have made both of them, so that's on me. <laughs> but yeah, I believe there's a red velvet cupcake recipe that's actually a murder, and at least two red velvet cookies. Yeah. So 
And there is a whole there's a whole cookbook just that's a spin-off of these series as well. Which I could see buying the cookbook if you're a fan of these books or whatever. The cookbook uh. is weird. I I don't own it. I've never read it, but I have flipped through it. It's a little more like savory dishes and it's recipes from around the town. I believe there's a book in which like they're creating the cookbook for a fundraiser. So it's it's pretty meta. It's like the zine issue of Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Um, but they're, like, I believe there's more than one recipe for a hot dish of some kind. Naturally. I am pretty sure there's a tater tot casserole. Like, there's a couple of dessert things, but, like, for me, one of the appeals of this particular series is, like, it's heavy in desserts and so am I. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. We'll post some photos on our blog of our recipes. And they were fine. Yeah. You'll see that they were fine. (laughs) Um, it wasn't like uh, you can you can listen back to whatever number episode our Outlander cookbook was, and those recipes all seemed almost all seemed like very difficult and very like I gotta really commit if I want to make these or I have to get a special like instrument or whatever. And these all seemed pretty achievable for a home chef, especially if you didn't mind having like a weird amount of leftover frozen raspberries or something. <laughs> Yeah, which we should have just put the frozen... If you ever make the raspberry muffins from this, add more jam and just put all the frozen raspberries in. Just... Yeah. They needed more raspberry. Yeah, they were a little light on raspberries. Yeah. Do we want to head into dramatic readings? Let's or? do it. All right. So this first one, you'll be shocked to hear that it, it is the hot lemonade part. And, and again, this is literally the only time it's mentioned. It's mentioned one time, never brought up again. I just could not let it go. For, I, if you're listening, I hope you're with me. I hope you're all like, what the fuck is hot lemonade? And none of you are like, yeah, of course. Of course hot lemonade. But again, if you are, tweet at me because I want to hear all about it. <laughs> anyway, for the hot lemonade scene, I will be Hannah Swenson, the main mystery solver. Uh, Kelsey will be Lisa, the hot lemonade drinker. And Kate will be the waitress who... Brings the hot lemonade. <laughs> Lisa slid onto the stool and ordered a hot lemonade. It had just arrived when the waitress tapped Hannah on the shoulder to say that their table was ready. Hannah waited, and we're skipping a little bit of them ordering their food. So that happened. <laughs> Hannah waited until their waitress had left and then leaned forward. Well, did you do it? Do what? You know what I mean. Yes. I didn't want to, but I couldn't help it. I figured you would. We are talking about the same thing, aren't we? I think so. You wanted to know if I drove past her apartment, right? Right. Did you learn anything? Only that her apartment was dark and her car was gone. How about Herb's office? The lights were off, his cruiser was in the lot, and Herb's car wasn't there. Lisa reached for a small bowl of pickled vegetables that was sitting on their table. I love these pickles. Me too. Hannah thought about the custom that the corner tavern had followed since their opening day. After the busboy cleared a table and reset it for the next diners, he dished up a small bowl of pickled vegetables and put it in the center of the table. It was a fresh bowl every time, and in the beginning, the original owner's wife, known as predecessor, had pickled all the vegetables herself. I love this pickled cauliflower. Lisa said, crunching down on the vegetarian treat. And I love these. Hannah reached for a green string bean and bit off half. 
Did you know that my great-grandmother used to call pickled vegetables digestives? No. Are digestives something that help you digest foods? Supposedly. Of course, in the United Kingdom, they have digestive biscuits to take care of that. The first digestives were a sweet meal biscuit. They were meant to get the digestive juices flowing and make it easier for the body to process the rest of the meal. Believe me, my digestive juices are flowing. (laughs) These are really good. Can I have the last piece of cauliflower? Knock yourself out. I'm enjoying the green beans and the button mushrooms. For a few more moments, the conversation consisted solely of crunching and chewing. Then Lisa looked down at the empty bowl. Good heavens, we even ate the pickled carrots, and I don't like the pickled carrots. Their waitress overheard Lisa's comment and came over to take the empty bowl. You two must be really hungry. I've been working here for over ten years, and I've never seen an empty relish bowl. Nobody ever eats the carrots. Then why are they there? Search me. They're probably for color. Without them, the bowl would consist of green, white, and tan. That's not as eye-catching as a mixture with orange in it. You've got a point there. Too bad they don't pickle those little red cherry tomatoes. They'd be really pretty. You're right. And I wonder if you could pickle them. I think I'll give it a try. They'd be good in salads, too. And you could use them to decorate a bowl of coleslaw or potato salad. The waitress reached into her pocket and pulled out an electronic device. Your food's up. I'll go get it, and then you can eat something besides pickles. By the way, I'm sure you're wondering, is there a recipe for pickles in this book? No, there is not. (laughs) (laughs) Are the pickles in any way relevant to the plot whatsoever? No, they are not. That's what I mean, like, the the level of detail that these conversations get down to, and they're, they're about nothing. They're not at all related. We're not learning anything about the characters. We're learning about pickles. I will admit that I sometimes have a problem with killing my darlings in conversations where my characters are just talking about nothing. Um, But usually it's because those conversations are are giving me something with the interaction between those two characters. Like maybe if you're a hardcore Hannah Lisa Shipper, Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, like they're talking about. But no, I can't even make anything up for that. Like Like, even if it was like, even if it was like. Lisa asked, can I have the last pickled cauliflower? And Hannah said, she thought, oh, the cauliflower is my favorite too, but I'll let Lisa have it because she's had a hard day. But it's not that. She's just like, nope, you have the cauliflower. I like the green beans. We're just eating these pickles. (laughs) (laughs) The pickles are not a euphemism. Anywho, our next dramatic reading contains no hot lemonade, so don't worry about it. Uh, It is a fairly pointless evidence-finding mission to Danielle's dance studio, and uh, Kelsey will be Danielle, and Kate will be Hannah Swenson, and I'll be Hannah's sister, Michelle. Hi, Hannah. Michelle, how are you? We're fine, Hannah said, handing her the bag Lisa had filled for her. We brought you something. Ooh, candy. What kind is it? Chocolate caramels that Lisa made. I love caramels. Would you like one? We already tested them down at the cookie jar. We wanted to make sure they were as good as they looked. Do you have a few minutes to talk, Danielle? I have at least half an hour before my next class comes in. Come with me and I'll put on the coffee. Danielle led them into the interior. They walked through the class area and into her living quarters. It was one large area, almost like an artist's loft, with a bedroom that was cordoned off with a curtain. 
a living room with a sofa and an easy chair, a tiny bathroom off to the side of the bedroom alcove, and a small but workable kitchen. Sit down. I'm sure you're here for a reason, and it's probably not dance lessons. You're right, Hannah told her, noticing the coffee machine on Danielle's counter. I thought you drank tea, Danielle. I do. Benton gave me this machine, and it makes both tea and coffee. She held up a small cup-like pod. Would you like French roast, Italian roast, or espresso? French roast. The same for me. Just listen, Danielle said as she put a coffee pod into the machine and set an empty cup on the tray below. It pokes holes in the pod and forces hot water through, and it takes less than a minute. Hannah and Michelle watched as the machine worked, and less than a minute later, Hannah had her cup of coffee. Another 30 seconds or so, and Michelle had hers. And then Danielle made her cup of tea. You look too serious for a social visit. Is this about Phyllis Bates? Yes. And you're investigating? That's right. I have to find the killer, Danielle. Lisa is a suspect, and it's the only way I can clear her. She doesn't have an alibi? No. We were together until nine at the, co- at the cookie jar, but then she drove home to feed her dogs and let them run in the yard, and I went straight into the corner tavern. She didn't meet me there until 10. So there was an hour from 9 to 10 when Lisa was alone? That's right. And the time of death was? Between 8 and 10. Hannah and I looked at the autopsy report. I get a sick feeling in my stomach every time I think of that. Hannah wasn't sure whether Danielle was referring to the autopsy, the fact that Phyllis was murdered, or if it had reminded Danielle of her own husband's violent death. Instead of asking a question that might be painful for Danielle, Hannah decided to change the subject, but Michelle spoke up before Hannah could open her mouth. Unfortunately, Lisa does have a motive. Because Herb dated Phyllis in high school, and now they're working together? That's part of it, but there's more. Mayor Bascombe appointed Phyllis as this year's Mrs. Santa Claus. I know about that. The mother of one of my ballet students told me, and she said that Lisa was hoping to be Mrs. Claus. As every 20-something dreams of. (laughs) Yeah, and by the way, as we've said before, they do mention name brands in this. They just are choosing not to mention Keurig. Yeah, Keurig's planning is maybe my favorite part of this book. And this book came out in 2017, or 2016. Yeah. Keurig's have been a thing for a while. Even in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, these books are pretty heavily into coffee, but this is still weird. (laughs) Yeah. So you think that Hannah would know what a fucking Keurig is? Yeah. I I would think that, but... And again, even if it was like, Hannah, of course, was familiar with the Keurig machine, but she was too polite to say so, or like, whatever. It's not that. She genuinely seems impressed by this new device. All right. Our last dramatic reading is from when Hannah goes to confront the killer, Bonnie, and I'm going to be Bonnie, and Kate will be Hannah, and it's going to be really exciting, even though there's no hot lemonade. Are you hungry? I, I don't know. I could be, I think. All right, then. I'll go heat up the chicken soup that I brought. Hannah stopped and evaluated Bonnie's blank expression. Is that all right, Bonnie? Oh, yes, it's fine. Gil should be home, and he'll be hungry. He always comes home for lunch on school days. This is a school day, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'll be right back, Bonnie. Oh, good. 
I like you, Hannah, but don't interfere. Never interfere in anything that doesn't concern you. My mother told me that, and it was some of the best advice I ever got. I just wish I'd followed it sooner. Bonnie smiled once, and then her expression faded again to a perfectly blank stare. It reminded Hannah of teddy bears in an arcade booth, waiting to go home with their lucky winners. Are you sure you're okay alone? I'm always alone. Everyone is. We're born alone, and we die alone. It's a fact of life. Hannah shivered. Bonnie's voice was devoid of inflection, almost like the recorded voice of the time of day on the telephone. I suppose you're right, Bonnie, she said, attempting to smile as she went off to the kitchen to heat the soup. It only took two minutes to heat the soup in the microwave. Hannah found a soup bowl in the cupboard and returned to the den. Here you are, Bonnie, she said, placing the bowl and spoon on the table next to Bonnie. This should make you feel better. Nothing will make me feel better until I go. She was my daughter, you know. Hannah's mind took a huge leap, and suddenly she thought she knew exactly what Bonnie meant. Phyllis, she said, recalling Danielle's comment that Bonnie had regarded Phyllis as her daughter. Yes, she went bad, Hannah. Horribly bad. She forgot my lessons, and she wouldn't listen when I tried to correct her. She said she wasn't in school, and she didn't have to listen to me. And then she pushed me away. Hannah felt a cold chill run through her as Bonnie's eyes began to glitter. Her mind was teeming with questions, but she didn't want to ask them for fear it would cut off the flow of Bonnie's words. I taught her what to do, how to act like a lady, but she reverted to type. She tempted men and used them for her own gain. Mayor Bascom was weak. He couldn't help himself when she <laughs> threw herself at him. And she was going to do it again. I saw that lunch bag, and I knew. Bonnie rocked a little faster, and the speed of her speech increased along with the creaking. Herb would have fallen under her spell. I knew that, and I had to stop her. Men are weak. Except for Gil. Gil tried to save me. And he did, for years and years. Gil is my savior. Gil is my rock. I put my trust in him, and he will not fail me. Hannah was silent. She wasn't sure what to say, but she knew she had to say something. She reached into her pocket, clicked the voice record button on her smartphone, and said, I found your boots, Bonnie, and I know, and now I know that you killed Phyllis. Bonnie looked up at her again with those big, unfocused eyes. But you see, I had to. She wouldn't listen to me when I tried to correct her, to set her on the right path again. She laughed at me. I kept trying. I reminded her of what it meant to be a lady, and she told me to shut up, but I pers persevered. She could not get away from me. From the truth, she tried, but I followed her. Down into the ditch, Hannah said, knowing she was right. Yes, yes, down in the ditch, and she slipped and fell. The rocker slowed, then it stopped. Bonnie's eyes attempted to focus on Hannah. You won't tell Gil, will you? He sees the good in everyone. Do you have any idea how hard it is to live with someone who sees the good in everyone? Again, Hannah wasn't sure how to answer, so she changed the subject, bringing it back to the murder. I know why you killed Phyllis, but tell me how you did it. I want to understand. She did not suffer. 
I made sure of that. I found a branch, and I stood above her, and I stamped her out. She was evil, and it was my duty. You must stamp out evil wherever you find it. The angel helped me do it. The angel guided my arms. You know the angel, don't you, Hannah? Hannah took a wild leap into the morass of a twisted mind. The angel of death, she asked. Yes, I knew you'd understand. You're a good person, Hannah, and I know that you'll be rewarded in the afterlife. The angel will help me with you, too. I'm sorry, Hannah, but I can't let you live. I can't let you tell Gil what I've done. He'd never understand. Spoiler, he didn't understand. <laughs> and then he shot her. Accidentally, yep. but even so. R.I.P. <laughs> Yeah, so that's this book, and uh, let's play some Would You Rathers now. Yes. Sounds great. Would you rather drink hot lemonade or eat homemade Thousand Island dressing? I think I would rather drink hot lemonade because it's vile, but I don't like Thousand Island dressing. Yes. So, I, and I have been drinking hot lemonade. I'm, I'm pretty much done. I don't think I can drink much more of it, but I, I did do it. Yeah, same. And I mean, it was, it was not good, but uh, I think maybe you, you could tweak the recipe and make hot lemonade drinkable. Uh, it is winter. I really do like a hot toddy. I like a hot lemony beverage. And I feel like hot lemonade has potential, and it's hilarious. I think if you did maybe lemon tea instead of just lemon juice. Yeah. Like if you use lemon tea bags and then added honey and a rum to it, it would be better. Yeah, because I like tea in a hot toddy. I know not everyone puts tea in a hot toddy, but I like it, and I think that would help here. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of going to go with Thousand Island dressing because I feel like you have a little more control of how much or little you drink of it. Like, there's only so little of a beverage you can drink before you're just not drinking it, but you can put very little Thousand Island dressing on something. I guess that's true. You could put it in your hot ham and grilled cheese sandwich. You, that is that is a thing you could do. All right. Well, how about, would you rather have sex with sexy Mrs. Claus or sexy Aaron Burr? I'm going to go with sexy Mrs. Claus, predictably, because sexy Aaron Burr seems to have some consent issues. Uh-huh. And also, he's a dude. I mean, Sexy Mrs. Claus had some consent issues also. Great point. Yeah, that is also true. But she still is a woman. Fair. Which I am more into. And she's young, apparently. Oh, yeah. You know, reading it again, like, I was like, how old must she be? But no, if Han- if she was in school with Hannah, she's, like, fucking our age. So, yeah. whatever. I mean, Sexy Old Mrs. Claus is certainly a mental image. I mean, I'd, I'd bang Sexy Mrs. Claus, who's my age. Like, that's not even a question. <laughs> We did we did read that. Do you remember we read that Santa Claus erotica? I do actually remember that. Why are we doing this? Oh no. What's wrong? I mean what is wrong with you guys? I read I read one bad book that I was gonna read anyway. Like like I owned this book well in advance of this podcast. I believe I brought it home for Christmas last year as like a this is a thing I'll read on a plane and then I screwed around on the internet instead. But 
you know, I was going to read this because that's a, a choice I make. You guys have made a whole other choice. But. Yeah, we sure have. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm about to choose also to have sex with sexy Mrs. Claus. Just because I don't think sexy Aaron Burr is going to be really... I don't think he understands using protection. I don't think... And I think he probably has a lot of diseases. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm just going to go with sexy Mrs. Claus. And like, who better... To, like, experiment with. <laughs> I mean, that's a scary thought. I was going to go with Aaron Burr, but but now that I'm thinking about his diseases and consent issues, I also will choose Sexy Mrs. Claus. I mean, in Sexy Aaron Burr's defense, I'm still not having sex with him. He did seem pretty into oral, so... That's true. But still. <laughs> diseases, though. Yeah. Just... STDs are no joke. All right, last up, would you rather eat at the Cookie Jar, which is Hannah's Bakery, or Steaks and Cakes, the restaurant from Christian Mingle the Movie that only serves steaks and cakes? And is, of course, our wonderful sponsor of this podcast. Yes. And also is not a real restaurant. (laughs) All of these things are true about Steaks and Cakes. (laughs) Uh, I, of course, would eat at Steaks and Cakes, uh, as wonderful as... The cookie jar sounds, um, you know, I could get a cake at Steaks and Cakes, mm-hmm. and it would be a whole cake. And no I, murders ever no happen murders. at Steaks and Cakes. <laughs> Except of cows. Yeah. That happens before they get there. Yes. You don't know. It's not a real restaurant. We know. <laughs> <laughs> we saw it. It's only one room. <laughs> I don't think there's even a kitchen there. <laughs> I mean, that does bring up some other questions. Cakes just appear there. <laughs> and I will eat them. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with steaks and cakes, too, partly because all of the cookies at the cookie jar seem either to be the same or to be made with, like, Nello wafers and frosting designed to look like cheeseburgers. A fine school project? A bad cookie to sell in a, gro- in a bakery. Yeah. Yeah, you could just make your own. And we did. She's given us all the tools we need to make Hannah's dumb cookies. Whereas steaks and cakes. That is true. We do not have any steaks and cakes. Who needs the cookie jar? (laughs) Who needs the cookie jar? (laughs) Okay, that's my Simpsons earworm. And now we'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest books to read uh, instead of or in addition to these, just like... Hannah Swenson might recommend a a coffee pod to accompany your baked good. Um, like I said before, the only of these cozy mysteries that I read regularly are um, the Cat Who books. And I've read like one-offs of other series, but I did read a lot of those cat books. Um, Dory Day likes them too. So yeah, I would recommend those. And uh, Renata mentioned Squirrel Girl earlier. Hell yeah, read Squirrel Girl. Yeah, just do for fun. I, I haven't read any of these, but I looked up some titles because I like them. And here's a couple titles that I liked. The Chocolate Cat Caper by Joanna Carl. Pies and Prejudice by Ellery Adams. And Death by Rhubarb by Lou Jane Temple. Uh, I actually have some recommendations. That's right. I'm going to start with Kate referenced it earlier, but Murder, She Wrote. Yes. I mean, it's it's definitely cozy in the same way Murder, She Wrote is. And it, these books also suffer from the murder she wrote problem of not being able to 
kill off townspeople, so they just keep having to introduce new people to be the murderers and the villains, or the murderers and the victims, which is pretty murder she wrote For actual cozy mysteries that I enjoy a lot, um, Diane Mott Davidson is like the mysteries with recipes in author. I'm, I personally am not the biggest fan of them, but she's pretty much the known name. I really enjoyed the um, White House Chef series by Julie Heisey. They're a little, the food sounds better and the mystery is a little more mystery-y if you want an actual mystery and actual recipes in your mysteries with recipes in. Um, and they and have, I wrote down on my list too and then I was like, I'll let Kelsey say them. Say the pun titles. Kelsey. Oh, they also have amazing say pun them. titles. Like, um, Executive Orders, State of the Onion. They're really good. Uh, my favorite one, Fondueing Fathers. Right. How could I have forgotten Founding Fathers? Which actually, it's not a good out loud pun, but it looks like a typo for Founding Fathers. Yes. Executive Orders also is better written than spoken. And then for an actual, if you're looking for actual recipes, cookbooks that I really like. Um, I've never made anything from Smitten Kitchen that hasn't turned out really, really well. So I believe she has two or three books. I know she has one out like just released um and they're great and she also has a good website yeah uh i'll give a shout out to mark Bittman who has a how to bake everything book that i don't actually own but i like his other ones yeah i like how to cook everything yeah uh also since we're talking about tv mysteries that that do involve actually a fair amount of food i'm just gonna say uh if you're watching Riverdale and you want to talk about it, I want to talk about it, too. I also <laughs> have a lot of feelings about Riverdale that I am up for talking about. Uh, I don't think it's a good mystery, but it's bananas, and it has a ton of maple syrup in it, and a lot of milkshakes. A lot of milkshakes. The milkshakes, the milkshakes are a big part of it. Um, I, I do have a <laughs> confession. I've told this story a couple places. For the season premiere this year, I actually, like ordered and got delivered a cheeseburger and fries and a milkshake because it just seemed really important to have them while I was watching Riverdale. Yeah. And then I got semi-sick and I couldn't finish the milkshake and oh. I ended up eating the cheeseburger like three days later. Oh no. But that's that's a bad later part of the story. Yeah, that part's sad, but I like the beginning. The beginning is really solid. Yeah. Much like this book. <laughs> <laughs> Not, didn't start out super well, got decidedly worse. <laughs> All right, so that's that's some mysteries and some mystery-adjacent happenings that we have told you about. Uh, you can see our full list of recommendations at our website, worstbestsellers.com. Check them out. Or just watch Riverdale. Yeah, can we turn this into a Riverdale fancast? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll revisit this. We'll move on to our candy pairing, which is weird because this book actually provides its own candy pairing, which is chocolate caramel. It does. I was thinking about all the cookies. I forgot about the, like, candy <laughs> title. They also make some other weird garbage candy that's, like, butterscotch pretzels. Yeah, and then another one that involves... And cashew rolls. rolls. And they're like, we're giving these to children. I'm like, if I was a child and you give me a butterscotch pretzel, like... Jesus Christ, just buy a candy cane, lady. And also, I don't care how small this town is. Someone has a nut allergy. Probably this is not a thing you should be Someone like, has a nut giving allergy. out willy-nilly. Yes. Anyway, my candy pairing for this book is obviously hot lemonade. That's all I have to say. That's not candy. It's fine. It's candy for for your throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, I mean, uh, I don't know. 
I mean, it, it does taste a lot like cough drops. I will give you that. My candy pairing for this book is those little strawberry hard candies that are always in candy jars when you go places. Um, because they're by places you mean grandma's house grandma's house also like candy dishes like at reception desks at businesses Um, and that's because they are ubiquitous around the holidays and old people love them Uh, my candy pairing is um, those cookie dough bites that you get in boxes at movie theaters because they are neither cookies nor candy but sometimes you just crave them and that's how I feel about these books. Yeah. Great. Uh, now it's time for The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Kelsey will choose which most improves the book or choose paper, which is leave the book as is. Yay, I'm so excited. All right. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be the chief of police in Lake Eden. And thanks to Hannah's crime-solving prowess, he spends the entire novel in a background subplot where he's trying to come up with the perfect Christmas gift for his boyfriend, Howlett. After heroically joining Mike and saving Hannah, sort of, kind of, I guess she mostly kind of saved herself there, and then Gil had a hand in it uh, at the end, but... I'd actually uh, say mostly Gil saved Yeah, mostly, mostly Gil. Um, But he realizes that the true gift of Christmas is their love for each other. So he gets Hallett a case of whiskey, and he loves it. I love that story, too. If Wolverine were in the story, he would be so drunk on hot lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) Too drunk to do anything else in the story. Um, I I am super into The Rock and Hallett's love, so I am going to choose The Rock. Thank you. That's respectable. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I am super not into hot lemonade. Well, Wolverine drink you so you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, thanks for taking that bullet from me. <laughs> Somebody write the fan fiction where Wolverine has a podcast where he drinks terrible drinks so that we don't have to. <laughs> I mean, he is self-healing. Like, he could physically recover from hot lemonade in a way I do not feel that I know, good. so that's why he has to drink so much of it to even get drunk. The worst, best cocktails. And he just, like, Googles, like, fancy-ass stupid cocktails that he thinks are a waste of time and makes them and then drinks them and then bitches about how terrible they are. And... And, yeah, and, like, there's always a teenage girl who's like, can I have it? And he's like, no, you're too young to drink. I have to drink it all. <laughs> Ooh, can Steve Rogers co-host? Because, you know, he can't get drunk now that he has superpowers. Sure. That's just science. Yeah. Everyone knows. What a great podcast that, uh, that you can't listen to, so just keep listening to ours. Because yeah. ours exists. <laughs> if, we, if, we hit, if we hit $3,000 a month on Patreon, uh, maybe we will be able to... We'll hire Hugh Jackman and Chris Evans. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to leave a Google review that just says, this podcast exists. <laughs> because I know Google reviews are extremely important to podcasts. So I'm going to save you that plug. Thank you so much. I guess if, if we're getting Hugh Jackman and Chris, and Chris Evans, it might, it might need to be like, $300,000 a month, but at least. I don't know. It's not a movie. We'll look into this later. <laughs> Hugh Jackman calls. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, I should hope so. Well, 
what's the moral of the story? <laughs> the moral is, like, we did not eat enough protein before we drank this hot lemonade. Now I'm fucked up. <laughs> that, that is for sure. <laughs> this, this day has been, like, nonstop carbs. It's just, like, I ate, like, seven cookies and then a whole mug of hot lemonade. <laughs> With rum in it. I don't know if that was clear that I'm not just fucked up on lemons. I mean, how sure are you that you're not just fucked up on lemons? I'm not positive, but I did put rum in it. I remember. I'm glad you remember. I'm glad you're not that far gone. My moral of this book is don't drink hot lemonade. But also the one that I wrote down originally before before we got into all of this was uh, ban slut shaming. My moral of the story is why waste taxpayers' money on a police force in a small town when you can just have a beloved townsperson with a quirky job solve all the crimes for you? Mine is don't go to a bakery when the baker just gives cookies away for free. That's good. That is actually that's very good advice. I mean, bad advice for Hannah, but good advice for the people of Lake Eden. That also sounds like a slut-shaming metaphor. It, it does. My it does. grandma always said, no man's going to go to the bakery if you, <laughs> to give the cookies away for free. <laughs> oh, you just meant literally. I meant, I meant literally, like, if someone's going to hand you a cookie, take it and don't give the money. Yeah, totally. I know that's robbery. That's a whole... Well, don't give them money, but do give them, like, clues. Yes. Or banal information about how kitchen electronics work. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Also an acceptable trade for homemade goods. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, Now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will offer his thoughts on the book. Oh my god, Duarte, you're right. We forgot to mention that Hannah has a cat who's a like MVP of the book, in my opinion. Yeah, Hannah's cat's sure actually I... a huge deal in these books. I don't know how to pronounce the cat's name. It's like Moishi or it's Moishi. A... Sure, it's like M O I S H E. Maybe the cat's name is Moisha. That that would be a whole. I different know that thing. it's it's like um I know it's a, a I think it's Yiddish oh. or Hebrew. Um, and I'm looking up now to see if it says anywhere on the internet how to pronounce it. I want to say moish, but I... Meowsh. <laughs> that should be the cat's name. You're right, it is, it is Yiddish. I was incorrect. It is not Hebrew, it is Yiddish. I mean, the adjacent. It is y- the Yiddish form of Moses. Oh, good job, cat. Sure. And Kate. <laughs> I, I do have some questions about how this cat ended up. <laughs> Georgie just came charging full forward. <laughs> Georgie has really wanted to get into the hot lemonade. Like, several times. <laughs> Georgie, you're too young to drink. You're too young. Also, it's not good, kitty. Also, it's bad. <laughs> oh, we're so close to the end of this podcast. I gotta hold it together. Georgie, thanks, thanks for your opinions. Thanks for being so cute. You're so cute, Georgie. <laughs> He just gave you this look. He's like, I know. Where's my hot lemonade? <laughs> Duarte has the best stink eye. <laughs> oh, that's the only kind of eye he's got. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Duarte, thank you for everything. Uh, humans, do you have any closing thoughts? No. <laughs> A hot lemonade. Not great, but hard to stop drinking. I drank it. I finished. Nope, I'm not. No. I, I still what? have plenty to go, but I keep Oh, drinking. wait, I didn't drink it all. <laughs> Cheers. I still have some Cheers. I thought it was done. Okay. We... Oh, it's vile. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's cold lemonade, but not, like, in a good way. <laughs> no, you did not transition into hard lemonade the way one might think that it should. It's real bitter, and I'm not sure how it got so bitter. Uh, there's, lemons. There's, there's, lemons, there's lemons in it. But there's okay, so much honey in it. Bitter. There's so much honey in it. That's because there's sugar in lemonade. This is just lemons. But and there's lemons and water. And honey. There's so much and honey. Rum. Yeah. Anyway. Not as much rum as you'd think given this situation right here. We'll go into this again in our in our new podcast that we'll be launching where we just discuss hot lemonade all the time. <laughs> With Hugh Jackman. <laughs> but for this for today, we are we have completed our <laughs> obligation to you folks in reading this book and then telling you about it. We did, we did do that. And if you'd like to see that on social media, the things that we do. <laughs> I feel like this is my fault somehow, and it's super not. Oh no, we've done this to ourselves. Uh, uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, we're on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S because, oh, the, the hot lemonade needed it. The S is in hot lemonade and it's silent. There's a silent S in hot lemonade and you didn't know that. <laughs> We've been pronouncing it wrong. It's hot lemonade. <laughs> no, it's silent. <laughs> it just... I just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you're drunk. Yep. <laughs> we have a Goodreads group. Find it. <laughs> the thing is, we really truly have not had that much alcohol. <laughs> this is just happening. A you lot. can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, and if you do subscribe to us, please rate and review. When you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit in the charts and makes it easier for people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we might have to force you to drink some of this vile hot lemonade. And you know you should not drink the Kool-Aid or the hot lemonade. Uh, none of it. <laughs> we also have a Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, you pledge a small recurring monthly donation and the money goes towards things like all of the ingredients that we had to buy to make all of the recipes that we did today, uh, as well as paying our editor and other stuff. Patreon patrons get all sorts of perks like a newsletter, shout outs on the podcast and uh, links to other special things. You bought these lemons. <laughs> We blame mm-hmm. you. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, one thing we haven't mentioned in a little while is we also have Amazon affiliate links. If you click on any link to a, an Amazon thing from our website, then anything that you buy, even if it's not this thing. Oh, boy, I'm not explaining this good. <laughs> you know how Amazon affiliates work. You click the link by anything, even if it's not the book that we read, then we get a little percent of that. And it's very nice if you are shopping at Amazon. But if you are shopping at local bookstores, we also support you in that. Yeah. It just doesn't benefit us financially. But, you know. But emotionally. And community, you know, you're building up the community. 
Um, it's all good. Yes. Yay books. Speaking of which, we'll be back in two weeks, and uh, it's our best and worst of 2017 annual wrap-up, so we'll tell you about the actually good books that we read this year, and probably be a little more sober than we are at this particular moment. It's debatable. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's been a long year. Uh, boy. Okay. Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for joining us, Kelsey. My pleasure. Sorry it went off the rails. Boy. Uh, it's where we're going, we don't need rails. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Becca will appreciate that one. It'll be her reward for getting through this nonsense. Thanks, Becca. We love you. Sorry, Becca. I also love you. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.